Welcome to the 60th episode of Nipe Story. This is a fortnightly podcast that brings you audio versions of short story fiction from Kenya and across the continent. I'm your host, Kevin Wachiro. And on this episode, we are featuring the story Maketziko by Alinafe Malonje. There is a spot in Kawa where the sun sets. This is where the light goes when it is tired of shining. There is a woman in Kawa who guards the gates to this place. Maketziko is what she is called, Mother of the Earth. Before this woman who now guards the gates to the sun's setting place became Maketziko, she was nameless, or at least she had been made to feel nameless. It is a Marawian tradition to refer to someone by the role they hold in their family. A person's name is often bound to someone else. Makemaya, mother of Maya, Bambo Achiko, father of Chiko. But she had no one to tie her name to, no one to take ownership of. In this place, if you are alone, you'll be alone in name too. She had never yearned for this title that gave women in her village a feeling of validation. She had never planned to become Make anyone. Yet, she still craved that feeling of legitimacy that being part of the community gave you. So, she decided to name herself. She crowned herself Make Ziko, and with the name came new responsibilities. From the day she named herself, She made it her duty to open the gates to the sun's rising and close the gates to the sun's setting. Maketziko lived in Kawa for as long as she could remember. No one really knew where she came from or who her family was and when she spoke of her life, she would say that she had always been here. She knew nothing else. She knew no before and she knew no after. Every day she would cross the river, walk through the hills and into the streets. She said she was going to wake the sun. And when evening came, she would cross the river again and walk back into the trees where she would put the sun to sleep. She was never late and never early. Most people in the village humored her musings and stopped questioning what it was she did in the woods each morning. Few would vocalize their skepticism, even though most of them didn't truly believe she woke the sun each morning. What a lot of them didn't want to admit, though, was that they feared the day that she didn't get up to wake the sun. Three days before the sun disappeared, Maketandi stared at the sky. Maketandi lived in the village and would wake up early every morning to watch as Maketziko would wake the sun. She would stand outside the front door watching as the sky changed colors. The sun rose and Maketziko proved to the village once again that she truly deserved the name she had given herself. Maketandi was envious of this woman. She would work in the fields with the other mothers, tilling the land and feeling like a slave to the sun that Maketziko awoke each morning. This day, as Maketandi watched the sky, 
Her friend said to her, You stare so much at the sun. I get scared that you'll follow it one day when it sets. I do get tempted to follow it sometimes, Makitandi said with a smile. She had gotten accustomed to speaking the truth with a joking tone. It kept people at ease because they thought she wasn't serious. It kept her at ease because she knew she was. Her friend rolled her eyes, picking up her hoe and gestured for Makitandi to follow her into the field. Let's go, you daydreaming woman. I'm sure you know more than anyone that the sun waits for no one. Dragging her hoe through the ground, Maketandi followed her long-time farming companion into the fields. She wasn't sure if they were friends. She wasn't sure if they liked each other. But they had gotten into this routine of waking each other up in the mornings and farming together a while ago and had never gotten out of it. Two days before the sun disappeared, Maketziko had woken up with a knowing feeling. Two days before the sun disappeared, Maketandi let her curiosity get the better of her. She woke up earlier than usual and sat on the edge of her bed for a moment. Her husband was asleep next to her, snoring lightly. Some days, the sound of his snores gave her more peace than the sounds of his words. She watched him, wondering when they had become so jaded. She had been 16 when they met. He had been 19. She had been so ready to grow up, so ready to be everything he wanted her to be. She had convinced herself that his love was what had been missing from her life, that his love would complete her as a person. Their parents hadn't allowed them to see each other, so every day at 1600, they would meet at a tuck shop about 30 minutes from Kawa, and each time he would buy her one of a, a chappie's bubblegum. It became their routine. Every year, he would buy her something a bit bigger than the last. This tradition had disappeared at some point in their marriage. She wasn't sure when. Their daughter, Tandy, had been born and they went along from being lovers to being co-parents and not much else. She didn't mind though. It worked for them. She rubbed her hands over her thighs, looked out the window at the pitch black sky and made her decision. She put on a jersey, a chitenge and some shoes and headed out the door. She wasn't sure where Makedziko lived but she knew where she went every morning, so that's where she headed. She found her way to the river and began treading carefully through the shrubs. She had never been by the river when it was this dark. The crickets were lazily rubbing their legs together. The river was swooshing over the rocks. These sounds, coupled with the swaying of trees, made for an ominous backdrop to Makitandi's snooping. When she got close to the cave, she would see Maketziko's colourful chitenge behind some of the shrubs. There was a swaying bright red behind the green of the grass, and she knew it was Maketziko. For a woman who didn't say much, her clothes were very loud. 
Makitandi slowed down her walking and made sure that she was hidden behind the shrubbery as she followed Market Zeko. She got close enough to see the sway of the matriarch's hips. She didn't walk with any urgency. Like a daisy as though this was nothing but a morning stroll. This did not look like the walk of a woman who was on her way to awaken the sun. Maketandi almost wanted to laugh at herself. This woman was just taking a morning trip to the river. She couldn't believe that she was actually hiding in the bushes, waiting for a senile old woman to wake up the sun. What had come over her? She was about to turn around and head back when Maketziko stopped walking and turned around. Maketandi stood still. Not wanting to draw any attention to herself, she held her breath and watched Maketziko. Maketziko stood still and turned her head to the sky which was still dark. Maketandi wasn't sure what she was doing. She felt even more sure that this woman was indeed senile. She thought the old woman would turn around and continue her walk, but she didn't move. Two minutes passed, then five minutes, then ten, then fifteen minutes had passed. The younger woman's legs had been cramping up from her position. Makedziko had not shown any indication that she would move any time soon, and Maketandi was confused. What confused her even more was the fact that the sky was still pitch black. The sun was due to rise about five minutes ago, yet there was not a hint of color in the sky. Despite all this, Maketziko was still standing with her head lifted to the sky. Maketandi had lost the feelings of conviction she had just a moment ago. The older woman brought her head back down, stared straight ahead, turned around and resumed her walk. Maketandi wasn't sure what had just happened, but she found herself following Maketziko again. When the older woman arrived at the cave, Maketandi watched her enter the darkness. She decided not to follow her in and instead stood outside and listened intently. She couldn't hear anything coming from inside the cave, but she felt something shift in the air. A few minutes later, the familiar tint Maketandi had grown to love began spreading through the sky like ink through water. Staring up at the sky, not sure what to think anymore. She had bounced between multiple feelings of conviction in a short space of time. She decided it was best not to think too much about this, to just let the sun rise without questioning it too much. As Makitandi walked back to her house that morning, her mind was still outside the cave. She wanted to let it go. She told herself that some things could not be understood by a woman who spent her life staring at the sky. But that reasoning did not suffice this time. In fact, it was because she spent her life staring at the sky that she felt she was destined to find out what lied in that cave. She was destined to meet Maketziko, and she was destined to one day awaken.
the sun. But that reason did not suffice at that time. In fact, it was because she spent her life staring at the sky that she felt that she was destined to find out what lied in that cave. She was destined to meet Market Zico, and she was destined to one day awaken the sun. The day before the sun disappeared, Maketandi sat in her bathtub, pouring water over her face. Tandi's feet were pitter-pattering outside the door. The sound of her daughter's feet weaved their way through her thoughts. She could recognize that sound in her dreams. Sometimes she felt like she had dreamt her into reality. She had heard Tandi's voice, her footsteps, her laughter, all in her mind before they existed. When she told people this, they assumed it was one of those maternal feelings one has when they're pregnant. But Maketandi knew it was something different. She felt something else within herself. This ability to bring things to life, or rather, ability to bring life to things. Ma! Ma! Tandy's voice broke her out of her trance, a trance she had found herself in more often than not these days. Nikubuera! Maketandi responded. She finished up and followed her daughter's voice outside. They're saying Makechiko can't go to the fields with you today, Tandy said from the doorway. Oh, okay. That's fine. So you'll go on your own? Tandy asked her mother, with concern painted on her young face. These moments brought warmth to Maketandi's cold body. Tandy had a way of worrying about the people in her life. Sometimes, Maketandi felt her daughter had more maternal instincts than she did. The thought of this tiny body mothering her as if she were the child always brought a smile to her face. Yes, I'll go on my own today, but there'll be other women there. Don't worry, Maketandi reassured her daughter. Okay, but the sun has been very hot lately. Make sure you drink a lot of water. Tandy said as she followed Maketandi into her bedroom. Tandy sat quietly on the corner of her bed and watched as her mother got herself ready for the day. Maketandi could feel her daughter's eyes on her skin as she moisturized herself and got dressed. She knew exactly what was running through Tandy's mind. She knew her daughter was probably wondering how long until her body resembled her mother's. She knew this because she used to wonder the same thing. At some point, she had stopped living in the future and had started living in the past. When Maketandi was finished, she kissed her daughter on her forehead and went out into the fields, just as she did every other day. Tandy was right. The sun was hotter this year than it had been in the past, and the trees that she used to escape to for shade were now few and far between. Tilling the fields had become second nature to her. She could do it now with her mind elsewhere. Her body was still very much standing in the middle of a scorching field, but today her mind was at the cave, watching Maketziko walk in and watching the sun come out. 
she hadn't been able to get that visual out of her mind. The thoughts of Makedziko were becoming obsessive. She tried to distract herself. She thought, instead, of how strange it was that the village had experienced some of its worst floods at the beginning of the year, and yet it now looked as though they were about to experience their worst drought. She hated not understanding how the world worked. She hated working in the sun. She hated that she had gotten accustomed to doing all the things that she hated. When the sun was in the middle of the sky, Maketandi made her decision. She would make her way to the cave just before dusk. At around 4.30 that afternoon, Maketandi walked to the cave. She wasn't sure what time Maketziko put the sun to bed, so thought it would be better to be at the cave before the sky started changing color. Just like the last time, she made sure she stayed behind and sat herself comfortably behind a tree awaiting Makadziko. Some minutes later, she heard the sound of leaves crunching and spotted Makadziko walking towards her from a distance. The woman spared a moment here and there to look at her surroundings before she finally reached the entrance of the cave. This time, Makadziko wasted no time and walked right in. Maketandi sat anxiously behind the tree. She knew what she wanted to do, but she also knew that if she followed Maketziko into the cave, she would be crossing a line and she wasn't sure what was on the other side or if she could come back. It took Maketandi five more minutes of going over her choices for her to realize that there really was no choice at all. She had to go into the cave. She knew if she didn't enter the cave, she would find herself standing under the scorching sun tomorrow, wondering why it chose to burn so hot, wondering why it shone so bright, wondering so many whys. She had to follow Makadziko in, so she got up and did exactly that. Makadziko sat cross-legged on a patch of green grass in the middle of the cave, awaiting her visitor. She sat surrounded by soft white light that bounced off the walls and sat comfortably on her skin. Bougainvillea flowers trailed along the cave walls. Neither the flowers had any particular origin. They just were. She heard the unmistakable sound of footsteps behind her and knew the time had come. The footsteps approached her tentatively and stopped just behind her. Don't be shy. Come, sit with me. Makedziko got no response from her visitor for a while. Then the sound of the footsteps returned, and a tall, slender woman appeared in front of her. She sat opposite Makedziko on the grass, with her legs tucked under her. Makedziko watched the woman's eyes dart around the room, taking everything in. She allowed her her moment to get settled before she spoke again. Who are you? Makedziko asked the woman. The woman immediately straightened herself and focused her attention back on Makedziko. I am Maketandi, ma'am, she stuttered. 
know who are you? Makitandi faltered for a moment as though she didn't understand the question. It's okay. But the next time you come, you will need to give me a name. She watched as Makitandi examined her. She could tell the woman was confused and intrigued all at once. She knew the feeling very well herself. Should we get started? Makiziko asked Makitandi. This time, Makitandi did not stutter. Yes, let's get started. Makiziko knew that this woman had no idea what she was agreeing to. But she also knew that when you reach the end of your rope, you'll agree to anything to have another one thrown your way. What do you want to know? The sun. Do you actually wake it up? Do you control it? I don't make the sun as much as I direct it to where it needs to be. It's not just the sun I'm in charge of. I have to make sure the grass stays green and the seeds sprout life. With the grass, I'm not putting the color in the grass as much as I'm reminding it to glow. My job isn't to create. That has already been done. I just remind all the life to actually live. Maketandi sat and listened to every word coming out of Maketziko's mouth, taking it all in. Two women sat in a cave in Kawa, in the middle of soft light in Bougainvilles. One woman taught the other all she knew, while the other wondered what it all meant. One woman closed the chapter in her book, while the other started one. Or perhaps both these facts were true for both these women. Maketandi wasn't sure how much time had passed since she entered the cave. She was sitting across this force of a woman that the rest of the village had disregarded. Everyone had left her to her devices, assuming that she was just a lonely woman who had lost touch with reality in her old age. Maketandi had listened intently as Maketziko had told her Stories of the earth, the stars, the sun, and all things that Maketandi had wondered about for as long as she remembered. All she wanted to do now was sit here and watch Maketziko's face light up as she recounted all of her experiences and wonder if her own face mirrored the same excitement. Maketziko finished speaking and then sat quietly for a while. Maketandi sat and patiently waited for her counterpart to begin detailing the mechanisms of another earthly phenomenon. But instead, Maketandi spoke words that changed the atmosphere. I have served my time. I need to move on to the next stage of my journey. I need you to take over for me. Maketandi didn't understand can you take over for me? What would I have to do? You would be in charge of everything we have just talked about. 
Market Tandy's eyes expanded at Market Zico's words. It's like Market Zico was speaking words straight from her own heart. Like she was telling her that she could finally be who she had always known she was. I'll do it, Market Tandy responded without waiting another moment. Market Zico sat quietly for a second as though she hadn't heard Market Tandy speak. She turned her head and regarded the bougainvillea flowers on the wall of the cave. I know it sounds enticing, but it's not that easy. I had to lose a lot of myself to become Market Zico. You will have purpose and you will have control. But you may lose more than you are ready for. Maketziko said, turning her gaze back to Maketandi. Maketandi sat still, unsure of what to respond. What would I lose? Everyone. Silence. Once you take on this job, you can no longer be as who you were before. You have to shed your old skin, your old name. Any footprints leading up to you sitting in front of me today need to be wiped clean. Makeziko was speaking in riddles. I don't understand. So I need to lose all my memory? No, the older woman answered. Make Tandy visibly relaxed. But everyone needs to lose all memory of you, Makeziko said, maintaining eye contact with her newfound apprentice. They watched each other momentarily, neither knowing what else to say. Make Tandy walked out of the cave feeling guilty but rejuvenated. She stood outside and watched the sky above her turn to pink right on time and just as anticipated. She craved the power to have the colour of the sky at her mercy. She walked the rest of the way home with Makeziko's words in her head. She entered her house and found her daughter chopping vegetables in their kitchen. <laughs> this little version of herself, this life that she had pulled from her own mind and placed it into this world, would lose all memory of her. Maketandi walked around the rest of the evening in a daze. Just a few days ago, she was a woman who stared at the sky for fun, and now she had all these words, all this knowledge swimming around in her mind. When her daughter went to bed that night, Maketandi walked into her room and laid down on her bed next to her and cradled her baby the way she had when she was first born. She held her child with the knowledge that this would be the last time. She felt the ache travel through her body, not because the decision was difficult to make, but because she had made it the minute Makeziko had asked. She knew this was what she was meant to do. She ran her hands up and down her daughter's arms, urging the cells in her daughter's body to remember her to remember her scent, her love, and the way she had held herself before she ever saw the light of day. She thought she'd be able to hold her child and then get up and leave, 
but she could not bring herself to remove herself from the bed. The next morning, Maketandi awoke to her daughter's eyes watching her face. She looked more rested than her mother felt. What are you doing in my bed, Ma? she asked, sounding amused. I just wanted to remind you what it felt to be in my arms, Maketandi said, attempting a light tone, but feeling nothing but weight in her soul. Okay, you can remind me every day if you want, Tandy giggled. I will. I will remind you forever. Her daughter sat up and tried to make her way out of the bed, but Maketandi held her hand and pulled her closer. How about we try to see how long we can stay without leaving this room? Why? Tandy pondered. Because if we leave, you'll forget. Tandy rolled her eyes at her mother. If I forget, then you'll remind me, Ma. Mundikumbuza, Tandy said. But she remained close to her mother nonetheless. Maketandi had her daughter's words echo through the room. Mundikumbuza. Remind her. They spent the next hours lying in the bed, drifting in and out of sleep. It was only some hours later that Maketandi realized that it was still dark outside. She hadn't realized that it had been dark all morning. Was it still morning if the sun was nowhere to be seen? She sat up and snuck a look outside the window, where she saw her neighbors gathered around one of the houses, engrossed in an animated discussion. She caught a few words of the conversation and could tell that the village was panicking about the prolonged darkness. This had never happened before, and yet, Maketandi wasn't surprised. Maketziko had hung up her hat and no one had replaced her. Hmm. She had to get up. Instead, she felt herself pull Tandy closer and drift back to sleep. A few hours later, she awoke and finally gathered the carriage to move. She stood up, walked to the door, spared a last look to her daughter and walked out the door, knowing exactly the name she would give to Makedziko. On her way home from school, Tandy saw a woman appear from the woods. The woman was long and slender and walked with an assured vibrancy. She was animated. The sun personified. Tandy asked her friend, Chico, who the woman was. She lives in a house on her own. Every morning, she wakes up to walk to her cave in the woods. And every time she does, the sun finds its way to the sky. And every evening, she walks back to the cave. And the sun finds its way back to its resting place. We don't really know what she does. If she does anything at all. But... Everyone just lets her be. What's her name? Tandy asked Chico, curiosity taking over her body. She calls herself Chikumbutso. Tandy turned the name over in her mind and in her mouth. Her tongue recognized the taste of this name somehow. Chikumbutso, a reminder. What is she trying to remind us of? Tandy asked fighting off the eerie feeling that she already knew the answer. 
Who knows? It's just a name. Let's go, Chico said, running ahead of her wordlessly, challenging her to a race. Tandy stood for a moment and watched as the woman disappeared into the trees, examining her stride and feeling something stir within her. She didn't dwell on it long, though, because more than beating Chico home, Tandy had to beat the setting sun. Market Zico was written by Alinafi Malonje. Alinafi is from the Marawan capital Lilongwe and is the co-founder of the Warner Collective, an arts collective that uses the arts to create projects with social impact. She was longlisted for the Short Story Day Prize and her work has been published in the anthology Hotel Africa and the Story Inc. Africa website as well as on the Makwena's Daughters website. Alinafe says that she has spent her whole life escaping into the worlds that others have created, but now, armed with a passion for her culture, her country and change, she writes so that she can one day create a world to which another African child can find suitable enough to escape. Thank you, Alinafe. Nipe's story is available to download wherever you get your podcast from. Please write a review, rate and share the podcast with your people. You can follow us here on SoundCloud, on Facebook we are Nipe Story, and on Twitter our handle is Nipe underscore story. Be well, be safe, and thank you for supporting us on this journey. Nipe Story is a finger piano production.